our loving Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for giving us another opportunity to hear your words today. We also thank you for preserving our lives and making us to be a part of the living. It's not because of our goodness or righteousness, but we understand this to be a token of your great love and mercy which you have bestowed upon us. The sacred subjects which we are handling needs the outpouring of your spirit upon we who are listening and I who will be speaking. Please, Lord, deny us not of your spirit. Grant us understanding. Impress the truths you want us to learn in our hearts. Transform our souls with these words. Put your words in my mouth that I will speak blessings to your children that will help us to be transformed into the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name of prayed. Amen. I may know him. March 4. Calvary, God's crowning work. Hearing is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 1 John chapter 4 verse 10. The love of God was Christ's theme when speaking of his mission and his work. Therefore doth my Father love me, he says, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. John 10 verse 17 My Father loves you with a love so unbounded that he loves me the more because I have given my life to redeem you. He loves you. And he loves me more because I love you and give my life for you. Well did the disciples understand this love as they saw their Savior enduring shame, reproach, doubt and betrayal as they saw his agony in the garden and his death on Calvary's cross. This is a love, the depth of which no sounding can ever fathom. As the disciples comprehended it, as their perception took hold of God's divine compassion, they realized that there is a sense in which the sufferings of the Son were the sufferings of the Father. When our Redeemer consented to take the cup of suffering in order to save sinners, his capacity for suffering was the only limitation to his suffering. By dying in our behalf, he gave an equivalent for our debt. Thus, he removed from God all charge of lessening the guilt of sin. By virtue of my oneness with the Father, he says, my suffering and death enable me to pay the penalty of sin. By my death, a restraint is removed from his love. His grace can act with unbounded efficiency. Christ is our Redeemer. He is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the fountain in which we may be washed and cleansed from all impurity. He is the costly sacrifice that has been given for the reconciliation of men. The universe of heaven, the world's unfallen, the fallen world and the confederacy of evil cannot say that God could do more for the salvation of man than he has done. Never can his gift be surpassed. Never can he display a richer depth of love. 
Calvary represents his crowning work. It is man's part to respond to his great love by appropriating the great salvation. The blessing of the Lord has made it possible for man to obtain. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Calvary, God's Crowning Work. And it's a very important topic just after what we looked at yesterday, depths of humiliation. I pray that the Lord will speak to us once again, but I would just like to lift up from what we saw yesterday. The humiliation that our Lord Jesus passed through on our behalf cannot be matched. And it is from there that we come into what we are looking at today, Calvary, God's crowning work. We read just now that as the disciples of Jesus saw the humiliation that Jesus passed through on their behalf, they could realize that in some sense, the suffering of Jesus is the suffering of the Father. I'd like to begin again with Desire of Ages, page 83, paragraph 4. It will be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplation of the life of Christ. We should take it point by point and let the imagination grasp each scene, especially the closing ones. As we thus dwell, this is my focus now, what is the result of letting our Im imagination grasp each scene of the life of Christ, especially the closing ones? The result is this, it says, as we thus dwell upon his great sacrifice for us, our confidence in him will be more constant, our love will be quickened, and we shall be more deeply imbued with his spirit. Amen. If we would be saved at last, we must learn the lesson of penitence and humiliation at the foot of the cross. Amen. So I have a question to ask. In light of the things we have been studying yesterday and in previous devotions, as you have seen the depths of humiliation that Jesus was willing to pass through on your behalf, has your confidence in Jesus increased? Do you even have confidence in him? And if you do, has it gotten deeper? How about your love for him? Is it alive? Has it been quickened or is it dead? How about your character, which is your spirit? Are you imbued with the same spirit that Jesus has? The spirit of self-sacrifice and love. Do you still have pride in you when you see the, your Lord Jesus humiliated? Are you still so conscious of self? Are you still selfish? I pray that as we discuss this devotion today, we will not doubt the love of God for us, but we will have a firm confidence in his love and his wisdom, those two things, love and wisdom, and that we will also have a love for him that is stronger than death and also be imbued with the same spirit that he has. Our key text for today is taken from the book of John chapter 4 verse 10. It says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That is the definition of love. Are you in doubt as to whether God loves you? Look at Calvary and ask that question again. Can you say God does not love you after you contemplate what happened on Calvary? Love love what is the greatest expression of love that you think can be shown to you john 15 verse 13 tells us 
greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. This, this love can never be surpassed. Why is Calvary God's crowning work? It is because it was at Calvary that we see the greatest expression of love ever displayed for any human or for any being or that can be displayed by anybody. God, the creator of heaven and earth, permitted himself to be shamefully used and abused and eventually crucified in order that he might save man from the penalty of sin. He became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He paid the debt for our sins without lessening our guilt or lessening the penalty of sin. You see, what Jesus passed through, there's so much talk today on how wives emasculate their husbands. I see talk about men's emasculation today. And then there's talk too in the female side of the greatest humiliation they can pass through perhaps being rape. And for a man, what is his greatest humiliation he can pass through? I put it to us today. There is no humiliation, whether rape or any other thing that a man might pass through that he might call emasculation that was up to the humiliation that our Lord Jesus experienced. And there is a reason why I say this. Humiliation can only be measured by the height of someone to the depth which they are taken. One who is, for example, if you say somebody who is poor, they may not feel as humiliated as the rich because of the status and the estate they occupy in life. What was the estate of Jesus? The position he occupies is the position of creator, of God. Therefore, it follows that the depth which he was taken down to cannot be measured to the depth that any man who feels he has been emasculated or any woman who feels she has been humiliated can ever experience. That doesn't mean that God is not sensitive to our own humiliation. But while you talk of yours, he has also passed through the same thing. We are looking at today's devotion, Calvary, God's crowning work, which is actually a discourse on a contemplation, a meditation on the concept of love. To properly understand the love shown on Calvary, I want us to understand the reality of our case. As humans, we are condemned, not because God condemned us, but we are condemned by our sins. John 3.17, Jesus said, The Son did not come to condemn anyone, but to save. He, that the whole world, Jesus said, anybody that commits sin is condemned already. God does not condemn us. We condemn ourselves. Sin itself is a curse. It has the penalty of death, the second death. A death where there is no resurrection, oblivion, you go into non-existence, no hope for you ever again. That is the penalty of sin. But God who placed that penalty of death, eternal death on sin, is unwilling to inflict the penalty that he placed on me and on you, the sinners. He is also not going to change his mind on what the penalty of sin is. It still remains eternal death and nothing less. This is a dilemma. So instead of inflicting the penalty of sin on us, he chooses to do something unfathomable 
he comes down to this earth we've looked at that in yesterday's devotion in case you missed it please go and listen to it depths of humiliation it says you see jesus came down to this earth to qualify himself as a worthy offering and instead of inflicting the penalty of sin on us he inflicts the penalty of sin on himself this is love the principle of love is basically this the promotion of the well-being of the object loved if you love someone you will never do anything to them that will not promote their well-being god is not against our pleasure he loves you who are listening to me he loves us and he only wants to see us live he wants to give us the best gift of eternal life all his acts done for us are done out of love and i like to say that drawing from that love i also speak to you from the same principle of love i speak the words of god the oracles of god to you it's not out of hatred for you that god says or that i would say that you should eat this certain way you should dress this certain way you should have this certain lifestyle that you should avoid sinful pleasures it is love deep love that makes god to say to you do not engage in premarital sex it is love that says to you that you should be careful how you take care of your body that you should not eat things that will destroy you they may give you pleasure but the pleasure is a deceptive one it is momentary it is something like a rat that is making you feel pleasure while it is eating your legs it is something that is destroying you while making you feel good while it is destroying you what else can make someone to sh- to cry aloud and spare not and tell you your sins if it is not love? God is not against your pleasure, my brothers and sisters. He loves you. Why does he say you shouldn't take drugs, for example? Why would anybody, even humans, tell you not to take drugs? It's love. They don't want you to destroy yourself. So also with God. Every law, every instruction he gave, every commandment, every counsel, every instruction, every warning is given out of love to promote our well-being that we may have life and have it more abundantly john three sixteen. for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have eternal life like i said before and we read it in our devotion that i may know him page 69 paragraph 2 why i read john 3 16 now is to make you understand that the father is the one who loved for god as the father so loved that he gave as we read in the time you know him page 69 paragraph 2 it says well did the disciples understand this love as they saw their savior enduring shame reproach doubt and betrayal as they saw his agony in the garden and his death on the calvary's cross this is a love the depth of which no sounding can ever fathom as the disciples comprehended it as their perception took hold of god's divine compassion they realized that there is a sense in which the sufferings of the son were the sufferings of the father end of quote john 3:16 tells us who initiated the process of the death of jesus and who really is also involved not just jesus but someone else who is also involved in the salvation of man and that's the father the father suffered along with the son on the cross of calvary the sufferings of the son is an expression of something we cannot see or understand it is the sufferings of the father on our behalf 
second corinthians 5 verse 19 says to wit that god that's the father was in christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation amen this is what was happening on calvary the father himself was in jesus you know jesus said the father is in me and i in him so if the father is in him he is passing through everything jesus was passing through the father himself was reconciling the world to himself by passing through the greatest suffering that can ever be felt or known believe it brothers and sisters god the father was not having a swell time in heaven while his son was dying here on earth Calvary is an expression of the love of God. It is God's crowning work. He suffered with the Son to the same extent the Son suffered. How do we know that the sufferings of Jesus is an expression of the Father's suffering? In Hebrews 1 verse 1 to 3, it says, God, that's the Father, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Amen. So Jesus is the express image of the Father. He is an expression of what the Father is passing through. And that's why when the disciples were seeing the agony and the suffering and the shame of Jesus, they understood that what they were seeing in Jesus is an expression. Because Jesus is an expression of the Father. He's the express image of the Father. They could see that this is an expression of the suffering of the Father. That is why we know that the Father was suffering with jesus again in john 10 verse 37 and 38 jesus said if i do not the works of my father believe me not but if i do though you believe me not believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and i in him so the father is literally in jesus by some sense so that everything jesus was passing through the father was passing through again in john 10 verse 29 and 30 jesus said my father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my hands and john 10 verse 30 i and my father are one in john 14 verse 7 to 11 he said if you had known me you should have known my father also and from henceforth you know him and have seen him philip said unto him lord show us the father and it suffices us this was a painful thing request that philip made and jesus answered pained by that question jesus said unto him have i been so long time with you and yet hast thou not known me philip he that had seen me had seen the father and how sayest thou then show us the father believest thou not that i am in the father why is jesus asking this question because long ago like i just read in john 10 verse 30 jesus said i and my father are one and in john 10 verse 38 jesus had already said the father is in me and i in him this is many days later and philip is asking this question and jesus is surprised like is it that you didn't believe me all this while that i was saying the father is in me and i in him all this while so you thought i was lying or something do you think I'm joking when I say the Father is in me? Do you think it's just a fanciful statement? Do you think it's just something I'm saying that is very poetic, just some literary writing? 
Do you think that's what I mean when I say that? He was doubling down to Philip, telling Philip, Have I been so long time with you and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me had seen the Father. And how says thou then show us the Father? Now verse 10 is the question that is deep. He says, Believest thou not that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Did you not hear when I said it before? Did you think that I didn't mean what I was saying? Then he said, The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Amen. This is Jesus desperately trying to make Philip and you and me today to understand. The Father was in him, suffering along with him. And that is why Calvary is the Father's crowning work. To show us his depth of love for us, greater love had no man than this, than that a man would lay down his life for his friends. So what is it that happened at Calvary? That I may know him, page 69, paragraph 3. It says, the focus here is this. It says, by dying in our behalf, he gave an equivalent for our debt. Thus, he removed from God, which is himself and his father and the spirit. He removed from God all charge of lessening the guilt of sin. By virtue of my oneness with the Father, he says, my suffering and death enable me to pay the penalty of sin. By my death, a restraint is removed from his love. His grace can act with unbounded efficiency. Amen. Do you understand what it means that by Jesus' death, his restraint is removed from his love? Let me explain. God loves man so much that even though man sinned, he wanted to save him and still give him eternal life. And why is that the case? It's because God knew that man was deceived. He didn't have all the information. Eve was deceived and, and Adam mistrusted God and they both sinned against God. And God intended to give them more chance to know him so that in the full knowledge of God, they would never have done what they did. If Adam and Eve knew God in the fullest, to the fullest, they would never have done what they did. It was deception that caused it. And God wanted to save man, but he was restrained. His love had been restrained all this while by his law. The law says that the wages of sin is death, and that law was made by God himself. And he cannot go against it. The law says that. Now, that law restrained him from giving eternal life to those he loved. Now, what did he do? He came down to this earth to remove the restraints that he had placed on himself in showing that love, in giving eternal life. He had restrained himself by his law. Instead of changing the law, what did he do? He came down and paid the penalty for the sin. And by paying that penalty by his death, he removed the shackles that had held him bound from showing the fullness of his love to man. Through the death of Jesus, the restraint, the cage that he had put himself in from showing that love was finally broken and he was now capable and lawfully allowed to show 
the fullest of his love to man in giving him eternal life, in bringing him to heaven, in allowing him to sit on his throne and reign with him forever and ever, in bringing him up to be in the image of God and to be in the likeness of holy angels, in bringing him to dwell in mansions forever and ever. God could not do all these things except he paid the price. There was a restraint in him, but through the death of Jesus, now he can show that love to us. Amen. Love is a character that is shown in many ways. One way in which we know love is shown in giving. When we give of our best gifts, we have given that which to us is most valuable and most expensive. In giving our most valuable, best and expensive gift, we have shown the greatest evidence of love for another person. What is God's best gift? Is it a mansion? Is it eternal life? Is it, love? Is, it, is it heaven? No, the best gift of God is his own life. We read in the devotion something to that effect that i may know him page 69 paragraph 4 never can his gift be surpassed never can he display a richer depth of love calvary represents his crowning work it is man's part to respond to his great love by appropriating the great salvation the blessing of the lord has made it possible for man to obtain amen and what is the blessing that the death of jesus has made it possible for us to attain all these things i have mentioned first of all the greatest blessing that the death of jesus has made it possible for us to attain is a life that is holy pure and righteous the image of god restored in us that is the greatest blessing that has been secured for us through the death of jesus it is now our part to appropriate that blessing to take that blessing and then there are many other blessings that i have listed before eternal life mansions of glory in heaven then you come down to the new earth and you stay in the presence of god you are given abilities that are beyond comprehension all of that those are the blessings to be appropriated by us now in light of all of this how can we charge god with not loving us we cannot do so he has done the best thing that could have been done to show that he loves us with an everlasting love romans 8 verse 31 and 32 what shall we say then to these things if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things, that is eternal life, mansions in heaven, the abilities increased, how will he not give us all these things? And in this present life, how shall he not give us all things? For those who probably are wondering whether God loves them because of some circumstances you find yourself in, People are sick and dying in pain. Blood pressure, high blood pressure, cancer, diabetes, and all kinds of evil diseases afflict men today. And some people are unfortunate, born with sickness, born into circumstances that are very difficult. Others, it is poverty. Some people are bereaved. And there's a temptation to doubt God when you are in this situation. And when I say doubt God, I mean doubting whether he loves you. When circumstances and calamities come that are very negative, there's that temptation to ask a question, God, do you love me? Is it my sins that has brought this upon me? When you question whether God loves you because of your sufferings and misfortunes, I want to ask, do you do well to do that? After God has done so much for us, 
it is not wise or right to entertain thoughts of doubt concerning his love for us. God loves us greatly and Calvary is the evidence for that. For God to find a way to come out of such difficult situation that he was in is remarkable, more than remarkable. Let this help us to have confidence in the wisdom of God. The way he dealt with this issue is really wise. Some hard situations may come to us. We may find ourselves in difficult circumstances. But remember that he who had the wisdom to bring himself and us out of the quagmire that we found ourselves in seeing that he wanted to give us life but yet the law is restricting him which is his law not somebody else's law he still found a way out you should understand that in the situations you find yourself in god has a plan trust god's wisdom he knows what he's doing he will find the best way out of the situation he who found a way out of this big trouble of wanting to justify man and yet preserve his law he will find a way to bring you out of your situation endure have patience trust god's wisdom that he knows what he's doing secondly for someone to sacrifice so much in order to bring us life and bring himself out of the situation he found himself should lead us to trust his love. Never doubt that God loves you regardless of the situation you find yourself in sickness, in bereavement, in poverty, in death, whatever negative situation, God loves you. Trust his wisdom, trust his love. He knows why he has permitted things to be the way it is. His wisdom is working out things in your life for for you who he loves that you cannot understand yet calvary's love as the song says priceless gift christ makes us worthy of the deepest sin can't rise above calvary's love in case you are thinking oh my sins have brought this upon me sometimes we've made mistakes and brought ourselves into difficult situations true but don't think that because of what you've done to yourself that god does not love you you may be languishing in your bed of illness and you know that it was your lifestyle that caused it that does not mean that god does not love you nothing can separate us from the love of god not sickness not poverty not principalities or powers even the wicked that will not make it to heaven god still loves them let us never ever doubt god's love like we read in the devotion it is man's part to respond to his great love by appropriating the great salvation the blessing of the lord has made it possible for us to obtain so how do we appropriate this love the output of understanding the love at calvary firstly jesus says it is to keep his commandments john 14 verse 4 verse 15 if you love me keep my commandments first john 5 verse 1 to 3 tells us the same thing whosoever believeth that jesus is the christ is born of god and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him by this we know that we love the children of god when we love god and keep his commandments for this is the love of god that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous first john 4 verse 7 and 8 says beloved let us love one another for love is of god and everyone that loveth is born of god and knoweth god he that loveth not knoweth not god for god is love so what is love it says here that to know god is to love god verse 8 he that loveth not knoweth not god verse 7 says everyone that loveth is born of god and knoweth god so what does it mean to know god first john 2 verse 3 down to verse 6 says 
and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments he that saith i know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him but whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of god perfected hereby know we that we are in him he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked amen so the output of this love the response to the love is to keep god's commandments how do we do that by trusting in him like we saw in yesterday's devotion can you see god passing through all these depths of humiliation and still continuing your sins yeah it's possible that sometimes we often will fail in our attempts to live up to a holy life but at least let it be quickened in us let our let the spirit of god be quickened in us the same spirit that was in jesus let there be great effort made to perfect character let there be effort made in us to say i will not sin against the lord again for everything he has done for me the commandments that i broke the sin that i committed that caused his suffering by his grace i do not want to do it again and i ask help from god please help me to respond to your love by loving you back in loving you by keeping your commandments and doing the same love showing the same love to my fellow men what is the best way to show love to your fellow men this is the second way to respond to the love of god to become co-laborers with god we have to work to bring people into a knowledge of the truth john first john 4 verse 9 to 14 says in this was manifested the love of god towards us because that god sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him herein is love not that we loved god but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins beloved if god so loved us we ought also to love one another no man had seen god at any time if we love one another god dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us hereby know we that we dwell in him and he is in us because he has given us of his spirit and we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world what is the spirit that has been given to us the spirit of the lord it is that same spirit that we have talked about that led him to live a holy life but it does not end there we also are to do what shows that we love him and let's read it john 21 verse 15 to 17 this is what you do to show that you love god so when they had dined jesus said to simon peter simon son of jonas lovest thou me more than this he said unto him yea lord thou knowest that i love thee jesus said unto him feed my lambs he said to him again the second time simon and you can put your name there whoever you are this is jesus talking to you don't look at it as if jesus is talking to simon this is jesus talking to you and me put your name there whatever your name is jesus says to you simon son of jonas whoever you are lovest thou me do you love god you who are listening what is your response you may say yes now jesus says to you feed my sheep jesus is saying to you today feed my sheep in one way or the other we are to be influences in this world light to the world to feed the sheep a provender that will kill them you are not loving god and what does that mean any influence that we have that leads people away from god we are not feeding the sheep we're not feeding the sheep you can't give people alcohol and say you are feeding the sheep you can't make them intoxicated with the wine of babylon and say you are feeding the sheep to feed the sheep is to give them meat in due season to give them things that will make them grow that will make them edified what do you share on your status what do you share on social media 
What discussions do you have with those around you? What books do you give them to read? What videos do you give them to watch? What music do you give them to listen to? What conversations do you have with them? What invitations do you give out to them? In doing all these things, if the invitations and the conversations and the books and the music and the videos are of the negative kind that is promoting things that do not edify, that is promoting worldliness, you are not feeding the sheep, therefore you do not love Jesus. But if, if the contrary is the case, that you are giving people things that will uplift them, that will edify them, that will make them grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you are feeding the sheep and in this way you are responding to Calvary's love. In Luke 9 verse 26, it says, For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory. Are you ashamed of Jesus' words on your platform? Some people do not want to identify with Jesus in public. They like a private relationship with him. Privately, they pray, they read their Bible, they try to follow his principles. But when their friends are around, they don't want their friends to see them, like they say, churchy. They don't want their friends to see them with Jesus. They are in love with him, but they are ashamed of confessing it. Like a man who has his wife and loves his wife, holding the hands and walking on the streets. They are walking when nobody sees them. They hold the hands walking on the road as, no one, as long as no one sees them. But as soon as somebody comes around and they throw away their hand and cross over to the other side of the street, wanting to send the message that I don't know this person, I'm not associated with him or with her, they let go of the hands of Jesus abruptly. They walk away from him, sending the message that they don't know him. They are ashamed of him. This is what we do when we are ashamed of sharing the right videos, sharing the right audios, sharing the right conversations, giving the right books to people, posting the words of Jesus on our social media handles, speaking plainly of our Christian beliefs to family and friends, and publicly practicing our faith. Jesus says he will also be ashamed of such people when he comes. If we must respond to Calvary's love, we should not be ashamed of Jesus. May this love of God displayed on Calvary work in our hearts and transform us. Let us pray. Dear loving Father in heaven, may the love that you have displayed on Calvary impress our hearts so deeply to bring about a transformation in us that we may respond to this love by beholding you and being transformed into your image and by being co-laborers with you. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us in saving us from our sins. Glory be unto your name, O Lord. And help us, Lord, to appropriate the blessings you've secured for us. It's, our, it's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was brought to you by the angel with a strong voice a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for His imminent return. For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org that is www.tawasv.org or contact info at tawas.org